0: Hi guys, welcome to The Church Split, my name is Will, and we have Brian with us today. Uh, really excited to see you guys, uh, but first, before we jump into our main topic today, don't forget to like and subscribe and hit that notification bell, that thing, the subscribers mean nothing really on YouTube, they really don't. Uh, I, we have over 2,000 subscribers, and not 2,000 of you are watching our videos, so you need to hit that little bell uh, for all you guys listening on audio, Welcome. Uh, as and also if you're listening on audio, leave us an iTunes review while you're at it. We got haters out there, man and It hurt my feelings, or at least (laughs) if I had any. (laughs) All right. So, uh, guys, don't also forget to go to the RFPNetwork.org. We are part of the RFP network. If you want other people tackling independent fundamental issues, uh, go check that out. My buddy, uh, the Vasquez's, uh, they're doing their 26 letters podcast. That's been a pretty big hit. Also, the RFP has been doing, they've been tackling King James Onlyism the last few weeks, which has been a lot of fun. So, guys, check that out. But what brings today's topic? Well, guys, if you follow us on TikTok, you would know. So you'll even know I'm wearing the same outfit in like six of my responses. Because I did a video talking, when there was, this, uh, there was this video of people like having seizures and speaking in tongues, being all la la <laughs> And I did a response to it, and uh, about how that's not how tongues worked in the Bible. And I kicked the Pentecostal hornet's nest. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I ticked off a lot of people. And what's funny is that everyone keeps bringing in like another verse, like thinking we haven't considered these verses or that we're somehow wrong. But what's funny is that all the verses they're using only proves the point of what I'm talking about. Yeah. So here's the thing. If you are here because of the TikTok, please listen with an open mind. Because this was a topic that confused me as well for a while and you. Yeah. One day it dawned on me probably what it meant. I bounced an idea off off of a friend. Then I brought it to Brian. I was like, Brian, this is the way I'm understanding that. And then you read it, and then you were like, it's so simple. It really is. It's so simple. And yet we've overcomplicated it. It really And you'll notice that the idea of, like, the uh, guys, you'll notice if you go into the history of the gibberish tongues, if you will, it is uh, actually a recent phenomenon. Like, post-Reformation, much later, uh, the early church fathers, no one really... Uh, bolstered any kind of view like this and neither and that view is not in the Bible so we're going to talk about this so I think so I have my Bible out we have our iPad out now guys we did not script this this is literally off the cuff so if it's sloppier than normal we apologize but also because it's less prepared we might get more sassy so that's a
1: guarantee actually that's
0: a guarantee (laughs) so if we get more sassy just know it comes from a place of love and we just can't help it we were we were made this way mom neglected us growing up what did you (laughs) want where we don't have politeness but anyway guys thank you so much for being involved so brian uh speaking in tongues what is your history about this
1: yeah well it was kind of new to me i mean i'd seen like the videos like will's talking about where people are are falling over and having seizures and saying random gibberish and I was like, well, that's odd. That doesn't make any sense. And, you know, I really kind of dove into it more when I was teaching out of 1 Corinthians. I was like, okay, well, you know, 1 Corinthians 13, what's it talking about? 1 Corinthians 14, okay, now he's talking about the spiritual gifts and, and people speaking in tongues and translators. And I was like, ah, okay, are we supposed to be doing this? Is this examples of spiritual gifts? What does speaking in tongues actually mean? And uh, it was a little bit confusing because I think like a lot of people, they're thinking in their heads, they're picturing the speaking in tongues like we see in some Pentecostal churches and, and elsewhere where it's, it's like, it really is just kind of gibberish. They're not speaking any language and supposedly we're, someone's supposed to be able to understand that or it's angel language or something. So I don't know. It was it was something that just didn't quite make sense to me. It was clearly not, to me at least, it was clearly not in 1 Corinthians what Paul was talking about was what was happening in, in Acts at Pentecost. So, And I think even the Pentecostals would agree that it's different.
0: Yeah, there is a stark contrast, and I think some people really need to understand, in um, between the Acts 2 tongues and then the tongues later on spoken by Paul. Mm-hmm. They are two kind of different contexts, even though there's a similar meaning. So I think people just get that a little confused. Sorry, I, I'm pulling up this this verse here uh, in Jude and Joel, I mean, because I think it's important that we address this from the ground up. Because if you go into Acts 2, I believe it's Peter. He references, he goes, no, guys, these people aren't drunk. We're going to read through that entire passage. Because it's been a while since we've done a really deep biblical deep dive on this. We kind of yeah. speak in generalities on here, but we built this channel and this podcast, and we continue to desire to push this for biblicism. So we're going to do a lot of Bible reciting. Who knows how long this episode will be. But uh, anyway, so in Joel, it is important for us to first understand what he says here. In, Ver- in Joel 2, 28 through 32, it says, And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also my ma- men servants and my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit on those days. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. And the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. Before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord, it shall come to pass. That whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be deliverance. And the Lord said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. One of the important things I want to talk about here is notice how it never says anything about gibberish or speaking in tongues. So one one of the people responded to me, and I wanted to address this, and as if the idea of the pouring out of the spirit equals gibberish tongues. And if you guys don't like me using the term gibberish, it's only because I don't know any other adjective to describe it when someone's going, how do you do How do you How do you It just sounds like almost like a Hindu chant more than anything. Yeah, it doesn't sound like any other language. Right. So if I'm using gibberish and you find that disrespectful, it's not my intent. It's just I literally don't know how to describe it because when you, I, I don't want to say speaking in tongues because I don't believe that's what it is. Um, so when it says here, it shall come to pass, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. This is the Holy Spirit. This is of course what we know that, you know, indwells the believer upon salvation. And then notice how he just says they will prophesy. Well, what is prophesying? Well, prophesying is usually given as some sort of revelation from God or speaking some sort of truth. It is, and it says sons and daughters will prophesy, but it's again, not saying that people are going to speak in nonsensical languages. So then when we get to... I think we should talk about Mark. Yeah. Mark sixteen
1: seventeen, and says, and these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will
0: speak in new tongues. Okay. So in regards to this, Jesus is foreshadowing what happens in acts two, because one of the things people understand is that Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. He's Israel's Messiah. So he goes there and he goes to his people. Remember that's what the whole thing where you know uh, he, he even though what is it reverend if I use that word Brandon says that it was a racial slur but Jesus was saying hey you know I've not come basically for the dogs because I'm here for Jerusalem mm-hmm. I'm their Messiah so what he's doing is he was saying there, this is going to be basically assigned to you so here's a, we see in the Old Testament that this will be assigned to you he will be there will be a babe born in a manger we see this in that sore, in that story. And that's the, th- the whole thing. If you go through the entire story of the Old Testament into the New, you will find a consistent theme, which is, I will give you a sign. I will give you a sign. You will know this because of the sign. This is why Paul says that the Jews seek after a sign, but the Greeks seek after wisdom. Because the Greeks were the one with the logicians and the philosophy, and then the Jews were the ones who sought after a sign. So, And that's why he also emphasized becoming all things to all people. But here's the thing. Jesus gave signs that he was the Messiah, right? He healed people everywhere he went. He did all sorts of miracles to show as a sign he was indeed the Messiah. Mm -hmm. But then you get here and he goes, this will be a sign that my spirit has come, that they will speak in new tongues. Yeah,
1: Jesus was authenticating himself to the Jews through miracles um, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And now we see him calling the shot that the Holy
0: Spirit is going to do the same thing starting the Acts. Exactly, and it's important to acknowledge this because Jesus was walking and talking on the earth when he was showing his signs. But then he ascends to heaven, and he tells his apostles to go into all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, cleansing them in the name of the Father of the Son and the Holy Ghost. So when he goes into that, now we've shifted over here what... In what way would he be able to separate the fact that these are truly his apostles versus false teachers? Mm -hmm. But well, by giving them a sign that it is indeed these people are speaking the truth about who Christ was. So that's the context of Acts 2. That's why it says, so they had come together and asked him, Lord... Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons. So he's, he's setting them up for this, and then he leaves, as we know. But now, uh, do you want to read through Acts 2, or do you want me to? Go ahead. Okay. So we're going to just read through this part of Acts 2, and we'll probably stop as we go through. Okay, I'll probably go paragraph by paragraph, essentially. So verse, uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and filled the entire house um, uh, and filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now this goes into the whole idea of what are the new tongues? It is not an unknown language. It never says it. A new tongue is another way of saying a new language. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you who do not know, the Greek word for tongue, I believe, is glossa, where we get the word glossary. Yep. And, so, and it's the same word for tongues and language in, in the Greek. So they're speaking a new language. Well, how so? Well, it says right here, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, so this is outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues, other languages, if you will, as the Spirit gave them utterance. I was accused uh, online of, being, of inserting my interpretation. No, this is what the Greek word means. Yeah, Definitions matter. So if we're going to be consistent in our hermeneutic, we must know what this is. So we're going to go forward because this is where it gets important. Now, they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered. Why, guys? Because each one was hearing them in his own language. So they could understand what was being said. So they could understand what was being said. (laughs) And here's what's funny, is that he goes, he talks about how they were amazed and they were astonished, saying, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? Now, for those of you who are like, why does it matter if they're Galileans? Galileans speak languages. What are they, barbarians? But notice this. And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? So the Holy Spirit comes, and now remember, the Greeks seek uh, seek after wisdom, but the Jews seek after a sign. Jesus outpours his Holy Spirit, and then the Spirit gave them utterance. Utterance of what? Utterance of new languages. If I started right now speaking in Mandarin, Brian, you would be like, oh my goodness, William learned a new language. When did you learn how to do this? Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah, Especially if I saw people that understood
0: Mandarin understanding what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> be very confusing. Yeah. You'd be like, wow, Will learned a new skill somehow. And notice this as well, because there's there like fire, two tongues of fire, mighty rushing wind, and all this stuff. But first, notice why they were shocked. Why is it these Galileans? How is it that each one of us understand in our own native language? Well, isn't that weird? Because aren't they all in Jerusalem? should they all speak Hebrew or Greek because they're surrounded by Romans? Well, here's the thing. Parthians and Medes and Alamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome... Both Jews and proselytes, which are convert, converters to Judaism, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? And by others mocking, said, They are filled with new wine. <laughs> yeah, you can just imagine, like, if, if Will and I don't speak the same language and
1: we're listening intently, we're like, Oh, yeah, yeah. And then we're like, Look at each other, like, Wait, do you understand what he's saying? Yeah. yeah. Well, I understand what he's saying, but what language is he speaking to you?
0: <laughs> it would be very miraculous. Mm-hmm. And that's the point. It's I am speaking in English, but everyone else is hearing it in their own native language because there's all these Jews. So here's the thing people don't understand. People just seem to say the day of Pentecost, and I don't think people know what Pentecost is. I don't have the time for a full dissertation, but in short, it's a Jewish festival. It's a Jewish feast. That goes on yearly. If you know anything about the Jews, they love to party. <laughs> so they would get together and they'd do multiple day festivals and feasts. And Pentecost was one of them. So all the Jews from the surrounding nations during these times would come together and they would celebrate. Yeah. So what better time for God to reveal himself to his people than this, than at, when they're all in the same spot? Well, how would you do that? Well, if I'm God and I can do whatever I want because I'm all-powerful, I'm going to make it where my apostles are declaring my name and speaking, and everyone's just going to understand them.
1: Well, I think we really kind of—you can tie this back to the Tower of Babel or Babel, however you want to say it, Um, but God confused languages then because they were all focusing on a singular task that was against God. They were not listening to God. They were not filling the earth. They were focused on one area. They were not leaving And they were not listening to God. So God's like, okay, you're using your unified language to focus on the wrong goal. So I'm going to confuse your language so you will focus on my goals. And uh, I think you see here the opposite where God's like, I want you to focus on one goal, which is mine. And I'm going to enable that through the Holy Spirit by allowing one language to be spoke and to be understood by all. And that's really powerful. One, that's the sign that we were talking about from Mark. But two, that's allowing this explosion of Christianity at Pentecost
0: exactly and that and that's why 10,000 people got saved 10,000 thousand people uh, it said at the end here right and that's what people always talk about like how many people how many men were saved at the when Peter gave the message at Pentecost well I don't know about you but if I spoke a foreign language or some other dude spoke a, a different language than me and I heard everyone understand it in their own languages uh, yeah I, I, I'm a believer especially if i'm familiar with the old testament and i know that this was already prophesied the outpouring of the holy spirit and that people would speak in new tongues well this is the new tongues These are new languages the they don't you know peter as a jew he doesn't know how how to speak what a syrene speaks but the syrene's understanding that's a new tongue yeah so people are getting that mixed up as in there also it's kind of important to note that these mockers, right? So the mockers are referring to the reaction from people. Some people were saying, what does this mean? Right. They're perplexed. Like, holy cow, how does this work? So you had some people who get converted, you Mm. had others, people questioning what it means, which would be a very Jewish thing to do. Right. Yep. Like let's question everything. (laughs) Let's argue this to death. (laughs) (laughs) Get the Talmud. We're adding more pages. Um... Sorry, Brad and Seamus, but you know, we're right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Exactly. So, um, then we have right here, we, sorry, and then we have these other ones who they saw this whole thing, and they're like, man, these people are just drunk. <laughs> they don't understand them. They're just drunk out of their mind. And then Peter points out that it's too early in the day for yeah, them to be three drunk. Three hours or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's the third hour of the day. It's like, no, we're, we haven't been drinking long enough at Pentecost, because that's the thing that another hot take, by the way, is that Jewish festivals were filled with alcoholic wine, and they were known to party. That was good part job, of it. Guys. So I don't, I don't have wine, but we do have this fancy beer that your dad got. Oh, this is great. What, uh, what is it? Ami Gang Brewery. Yeah, I don't know, it's a bourbon barrel. It's delicious. Oh, it's pretty good. Uh, but anyway, so that's that. That so Acts two is them speaking in a new tongue through a miracle. Well, well, I think one thing we were talking about before the
1: episode is who do you think they're saying are the drunk ones here at Pentecost.
0: <laughs> I think the ones that they're thinking are, are the drunk ones are the people who are hearing it in their own languages. They're just like y'all are drunk. You don't understand that because that's what it, I mean that's what it implies here. It says right here tongues and mighty works of them telling in their own tongue the mighty works of God. Sorry. Telling in their own tongues mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed. <laughs> well, this is amazing, but what some and one said one to another, "What does this mean?" But others said, "These people are just drunk."
1: Because if I was listening to a lecture in English, and Will, who only speaks Mandarin, was like, "Yeah, I get what they're saying," I'd be like, "What are you drunk?" <laughs> yeah. That's an obvious answer, but it's not because the the other the the other side of this would be, "Oh, well, they thought the people that were speaking were drunk because they were speaking." gibberish right it sounded like they were drunk but I don't think that's it at no all.
0: exactly they just it, again it goes into the whole idea if I'm speaking a language that you know but then you know that there's a Chinese person in the room or an Indian person in the room and they're hearing my English in their own language you'd be like are you high yeah like wh- how much cocaine did you take before this all right how many shrooms there's no way you actually understand him in your own language well, this is 2,000 years
1: ago, right? We almost, only now do we kind of have technology that can pull this off. Like I was at a, at a conference a couple of years ago, and they demoed this technology where this guy is on stage live, and he's speaking in English, and then on the projection screen is, is him with his mouth moving but his mouth has been manipulated, and he, we are hearing the audio of a completely different language. I think it was Japanese. I have I record it because it was, it was really cool. And this the stadium of forty thousand people are just like in awe that what holy cow they they have the technology now to real time translate what someone's saying with the inflections and everything else. Like that was pretty cool, and that takes. A whole bunch of technology, thousands of programmers, and the power of the Microsoft cloud to pull that off. (laughs) And this is 2,000 years ago, no computers, whatever. And we just have the power of the Holy Spirit, which clearly is way more powerful than Microsoft. Sorry, but you can
0: still be a sponsor. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, but you can still be a sponsor? Is that what you said? (laughs) You're such an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) The day Microsoft sponsors us would be the day you lose your mind. They won't like it. You're such a fanboy, though. So anyway... (laughs) Um, so, uh, oh, here we go, everybody. Troll in the comments and help us promote this video by commenting on this video. It helps the algorithm. Just comment to Brian that Apple is better. and uh, I
1: will argue every single one of you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Brian will not care about speaking in tongues really as much as... Get ready for some objective t- truth. <laughs> So anyway, some other references that people have brought up to me. And again, it kind of goes along the lines of that Joel reference of the outpouring of the spirit. One person mm-hmm. mentioned Ephesians six eighteen, which says praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to the end, keeping alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. You know what the problem is with that verse? What's that? It doesn't mention anything about tongues. (laughs) Oops. It's inserting the idea of, oh, whenever it's speaking in spirit and giving utterance and uh, interceding for one another, it must mean tongues. No, that's a bad exegesis. Let me tell you something. There's some, not exegesis, that's a bad eisegesis. Uh, There's actually this kind of thing where I've noticed, like Pentecostalists, most Pentecostals actually really struggle, it seems like, with this, because they do the same thing that independent fundamentalists do and some other small sects, which is they insert a lot into the text, There's a lot of assumed things when you read it. And then when you read it later, you go, oh, that doesn't mean that at all. Um, Another one is Romans 8, 26 through 27. While
1: you're looking that up, I'll just say, that's the point of the channel, guys, right? Is we're trying to help you escape your echo chamber. So if you can only look at a Bible verse because of the systematic theology that you've been given. And you can't look at it from any other way. We're trying to help with that. And we know that we do that too. And that's why we look to you guys to help correct us when we might be still stuck in the echo chamber on something. Like we said, this is is a topic that we changed our mind on because it didn't quite make sense the way we understood it originally. Um, So hopefully... And I hope everyone see this. When we come to something that's really biblical truth, we'll see a lot of clarity, and I think it'll make a lot more sense, and we'll have to rely less on systematic theology to make sense of it.
0: Right. Actually, I'm glad you mentioned that, because here's the thing. I was raised completely cessationist. I am not a cessationist anymore, but I was, you know, all the gifts are gone. But then I eventually adopted the view of, like, whatever. I, okay, just because I don't speak in tongues doesn't mean God. can't use it, I guess. Whatever. Who am I to judge? But then I realize that this has been a misunderstanding since the beginning. So we're addressing that now. That's the point. Yep. Um, anyway, uh, Romans eight again. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know we we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what in the knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. You know what the other problem with that verse is, Brian? Groanings are not speaking in tongues. Exactly. <laughs> so again, this is, just the, this is just the beauty of being a Christian. We have a man perspective. We have a human perspective on the world. So when we pray, we, it says right here that in our, uh, he, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Because we are weak men. So for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. We don't. I can sit there and be praying all the time. You know, God, in fact, I did this for a while. God, give me a full-time pastor. God, give me a full-time pastor in the area. And there's a lot of pastors that wanted me across the nation, but I knew God didn't want me to leave here. Well, what, so what did, what did God do? God guided me to a different area, to a different part of my life than I, than I wanted. Why? Because I didn't know what to pray for as I ought, but the Spirit interceded on my behalf. And God went, no, I'm still going to take care of you. So the Spirit intercedes for us. Yeah, or I know a lot of people that watch have experienced terrible loss, right?
1: Just terrible times of trial in their life. And there might be times where you're praying to God and you don't, you actually have anything to say. You're just distraught with emotion, right? You're like, you're just, I've been there where I'm just like, God, please, right? (laughs) That's all I can get out is God, please. I would classify that more as the groanings and the Holy Spirit is interceding for me on behalf, i on behalf so that, uh what I really can't say is still known to God. And we know God knows that
0: because he's omniscient. Exactly. So, I, and that's the thing. So, I mean, it's the beauty of it because we don't always know what to pray. I mean, there's been times where I didn't know what to pray, but I knew I needed the Lord, so I just prayed that the Lord would guide me. And that's the whole point. The, the Spirit will intercede for you. But again, the Spirit interceding for you and the Spirit going to God on your behalf, is not the same as having a seizure and doing the handalala shandalala. It is, that's not it. In fact, if you actually look it up, there's actually a lot of pagan practices that do that. And, and what it is actually like, you, you, there's some psychology behind it too. It's building an emotional high and basically get, making you almost OD basically on dopamine. I mean, that's pretty much what it is. You just get so into this moment and all the peer pressure that you get hyped up into it and you go crazy. And that's what's funny about, I, I had other people be like, well, you know, I was in the room and they put their hand on me and I collapsed. I'm like, you won't find that in the Bible though. That's nowhere in scripture. So we got to stop being like, oh, yeah, guys, this is definitely what happens. Uh, no, that's not how the spirit works.
1: So it's the same like being at a big sporting event, right? I've been to University of Michigan football game. Where there's over 110,000 people Good outside. Times. They're all chanting about the same thing, right? Everyone's excited. You see someone make a touchdown pass and they score and everyone's just excited. And you're emotionally reacting to things uh, in, a, in a, maybe a more obtuse way than you would typically or just watching at home. Um, there's something to be said about this kind of shared psychology where everyone is, uh, is doing the same thing or, or wanting the same goal. And I don't think that's necessarily just the Holy Spirit, guys. And I also don't think back to the Romans 8 thing. I don't think that, that God's asking you to, hey, when you can articulate your needs clearly, why don't you just say it in some random chant that no one can understand? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> exactly. It doesn't make any sense. Why would God want you to do that? Exactly. Show me a
0: verse that says that. Yep, and then also people, uh, you mentioned this interesting thing with uh, Isaiah 28. Now that remember, this is the one that when our Bill Rees rebuttal, we we brought up. But so there's people who are uh, who are reeling wine, they're drunk, they were doing the whole to whom shall be knowledge and to whom will he explain the message. For it is a precept upon precept, upon precept, line upon line, upon line. Here a little, there a little. Mm-hmm. For people, for by people of strange lips and with a foreign tongue, the Lord will speak to His people, to whom He said, "This is rest; give rest to the weary, and this is and this is repose." Yet they would not hear. So here's the thing: He's not saying that people of strange lips, as in speaking in tongues. Notice that these are for it's talking about mockers, and it's talking about God's giving people that people's strange lips would be foreigners,
1: mm-hmm.
0: not people who speak in tongues. So that's another thing that... Again, it's all how you interpret this, but remember, they, weren't, they didn't speak in tongues back then like the way you see in Pentecostal churches. If I said, I am a man of strange lips, what I'm saying is, what do my lips do? My lips speak language. I'm a man of... I'm a foreign person to your, to your people. So, yeah, this, this was judgment by God because
1: he's like, look... You weren't listening to the prophets I was sending you that were speaking your own native tongue, so now I'm going to send people that don't even speak your language and deal with that, right? It's you know, I think he's talking about the Assyrians there, but it's, it's seriously a, a point of judgment, and Paul quotes this in 1 Corinthians 14 as well, just reinforcing the idea that this is not about speaking random languages that don't make any sense to anyone, but specifically different national languages that are known, that people do understand, but not everyone understands because we speak different languages thanks to the Tower of Babel.
0: Exactly, sorry if you guys could hear my pages flipping as we're talking. <laughs> uh, the other thing is, so okay, Acts chapter two is clearly clearly speaking other languages. Mm-hmm. That You know, it's a miracle. One is miraculous, and this one's pragmatic, where we're about ready to go to. Yep. One is miraculous, this is pragmatic. So this is a different speaking in tongues, and you can tell by the context, because in here he's going to demand an interpreter, and guess who didn't need an interpreter? All the apostles at Acts. (laughs) All the apostles in Acts chapter 2. So one is actually, you know, speaking in tongues... The, uh, through a miracle. And this is a talk about a pragmatic event. And also here in a few minutes, we are going to, I also will go back to Acts as well. So remind me to do that here in a few. You got it. Okay. So let's talk about Acts chapter 12. I mean, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were, however, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is a curse, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. And then he talks about there's varieties of the gifts. Okay, now I want you guys to notice something as we go later on into uh, later on to this. So he talks about for One is given through the spirit uh, and the utterance of wisdom. And to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by one of the spirit, by the one spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophesy. To another, ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To know the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who uh, portions to each one individually as he wills? So, guys, big difference here. So, what do they have the ability? The ability to not just distinguish between spirits, but to another various kind of tongues, and another the interpretation of tongues. In other words, the interpretation of other languages and other kinds of languages. This this is a gift. Some of them were able to speak, and the Spirit would speak through them where they could hear in another language.
1: That's where I think it makes more sense when you, you read here tongues as different languages, not some heavenly language that no one understands. Clearly, they're, these are different languages, and you have interpreters for different languages, right? We have an explosion of Christianity. Paul's talking to the church of Corinth. He's talking, and this is a like think of like a new york city in ancient time right where there's just this is this this melting pot of different cultures and languages and religions so clearly interpretation is going to be key we all rely on that spiritual gift now as english speakers right obviously the bible wasn't written in english so we relied on the on the spiritual gifts of interpretation that gave us these different Bible translations in our own native language. And that's what's so cool about the projects that are interpreting the Bible in all these different yeah. languages.
0: And think about it here also. And he also talked about the gift of utterance of, of wisdom. That's another gift. So when you're sitting there thinking, well, no, it's got to be this hyper-spiritual thing. No, it doesn't. Because, right, I mean, is it, does, is it hyper-spiritual for the people who give wisdom? A lot of people have the gift of wisdom. You know, and a lot of people have the gift of of languages, and are. And some people, I've heard crazy stories. My favorite is when people uh, prove my point. No, no, I spoke in tongues once. I spoke in perfect Hebrew, and I never knew Hebrew in my life. (laughs) I'm like, exactly. That's speaking in tongues in a different (laughs) language, a new language to you. That's a different language, but not a new language to all of us. (laughs) Yeah, not a new language to all mankind. But what's funny is when you actually see that stuff, too, they've actually had, like, linguist specialists listen to the, quote-unquote, gibberish tongues. And they're like, yeah, that's just gibberish. That has Because languages have – there's a lot of different things that form a language, and none of the speaking in tongues has ever shown the fact that they're a, a language. Yeah, so show me a
1: reliable translator for your speaking in tongues. And yeah,
0: exactly. J.R.R. Tolkien – couldn't even pull that off. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, then, so Corinthians focuses a lot on this and I want you guys to understand something about Corinthians. Why is he bringing up different tongues so much here in the near future? Well, the church of Corinth is part of the city plot twist called Corinth. Wow. Whoa. Corinth is, was a major hustle bustle of a city. It was a trade city. It was known for wealth and was also known for sexual prostitution. Uh, and so and trade. so sexual prostitution and trade.
1: y'all nasty in Corinth, and Paul talks about that a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah, pretty <laughs> much like the Corinthian church is his is his like project people, where he's like, "Wait, why are you sleeping with your mother-in- law? What is happening over there? so help me, I'm gonna write back like
1: even the pagans don't do this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so. The Corinthian church was messed up, and it's, you could un, you could understand why. It, the church that was there was filled with people who were raised in a horrible society. Mm-hmm. So they were probably really struggling living a good, God-honoring life. So when he's talking about speaking in tongues, why would he talk about this? Well, it's because this is a trade city, meaning that all sorts of nationalities went through this city all the time, meaning there's all sorts of languages, but where the people always gathered... You would have had people speaking the common tongue, uh, Koine Greek, or if they're in the synagogues and whatnot, they'll be speaking Hebrew. So they'll be speaking a tongue that is common amongst all the people present. So that gets important here as we jump into the context. So this is, first off, we're going to, before we can get into 1 Corinthians 14, where he really breaks us down, I want to address what probably somebody mentioned 15 minutes ago on this. <laughs> but what about 1 Corinthians 1, 13, 1 through 3, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have a prophetic power as understand all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have all faiths so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I have nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love i gain nothing now guys and honestly this i'm only saying all this because i have a desire for truth i'm not trying to beat you guys over the head and bash you and say everyone's wrong you're all stupid i'm saying that we have we as people have corrupted the scriptures with our own interpretation but and this is one of those areas people go well we were told we're to speak with tongues of angels and they'll just talk about if i speak in the tongues of men and of angels. Like, and stop reading. <laughs> and stop. And stop. You know, it's like the people who take Matthew 7 and go, judge not lest you be judged. And then they scribble out the rest, <laughs> you know, like, like and they completely eliminate the rest of Jesus' teachings. But notice, you have to kind of get the context here and get the feel of what Paul is saying. What is he saying here? If I speak with tongues of angels, of men and angels, right? But have not love, I am what? A noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Now, are you a literal gong? Do you shape shift into a clanging symbol? No. I don't know. Some of you Pentecostals do sound like that when you're speaking in <laughs> tongues. No, offense. <laughs> so here's the thing speaking in tongues of men and angels is hyperbolic uh, along with gong and clanging symbol. Now, if you're like, Will, that's not true. Really, read further because it's all in the same paragraph and thought. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries, and all knowledge. Can anyone have prophetic powers and also understand all mysteries and all knowledge? Can, I, can you have all knowledge? God can, not me. Exactly. God is all-knowing. God knows and understands all mysteries. And he goes, if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, has your faith ever re- literally moved a physical mountain? The Rockies are gone. Go check it. <laughs> I have no, you, want, you settle for the Rockies? <laughs> I'm going for Mount Everest, baby. Mount no, Everest is too much fun. Gone. Um, no, it, that's never happened. Because why? This is all hyperbolic speak. He is playing hyperbole to emphasize the importance of love. So he's going, if I have tongues of angels, all knowledge, if enough faith to move a mountain, and have not love, I have nothing. He's just building up. I mean, we do this all the time in language, right? We always build up and we speak, you know, very hyperbolically. That's all this is. It's hyperbole. So... If you here's the thing, if you take that first sentence literally, that there are literally tongues of angels that people are speaking literally now, then you need to take the rest of that seriously, which means you'll be able to move mountains with your with your faith. Also, um speaking with the tongues of angels is also a rabbinic idiom for Hebrew and people can check me on that by the way. It is another way, they, would, they call it like the tongue, tongues of God or the language of God or the tongues of angels. That was another way to refer to Hebrew. Um, so just so you guys are aware, he's, G, remember, Paul was a Pharisee, so he's a Jewish Pharisee, so he uses some of those idioms to get a point across. So he's not literally saying that if I speak with Hebrew uh, of men and angels, no, but it is an idiom to catch people's attention because they they're going to connect that culturally, what he's referring to. So anyway, that's what that is, okay? The tongues of angels is hyperbolic. I, and if you, again, I've never seen anyone's faith literally move a mountain because that's not how it works.
1: Am I clear on that yet? I think so. I think we're making sense, guys. Comments
0: if we're not. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I mean, I, for all I know, I'm beating a really dead horse right now. I just think it's important that we stress this. And now we get to the passage that everyone gets confused on. This is the confusing one for people, and especially uh, if people haven't had this with clarity. This is the passage where people go to the most to justify gibberish tongues, which is the following chapter, verse, uh, chapter 14. Did you put the whole thing in here? Yes, Yes, you did. did. Woo! All right, let's go. Uh, First paragraph. Pursue love. Again, this is echoing uh, the chapter before because it was the love chapter. You hear those verses. 1 Corinthians 13 is at every single wedding ever, unless I do the wedding. Because if I do the wedding, I don't quote this because that's too stinking expected. It's just, we don't. Wait,
1: it wasn't talking about marriage in 1 Corinthians 13?
0: No, (laughs) isn't that weird? (laughs) It's talking about love in general. Um, Pursue love. And earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. What is prophesy? Speaking a revelation from God. What is a revelation from God? Well, they can be, they could technically be dreams and other things. John had them, but I mean, we have the written revelation of God. So, it is really essentially to speak the truth of God. So, keep that in mind. Especially that you may prophesy, for one who speaks in a tongue. Speaks not to men, but to God. ruh row raggy uh, So <laughs> here's the thing. Uh, first off, there has to be an interpreter. And uh, if you don't have an interpreter when you're doing all that stuff, according, uh, even if you take your interpretation, like I don't think it means gibberish chunks, but even if you take your interpretation, if there is not an interpreter present, he says, shut up, essentially, right? He says later on to keep silence. We'll talk about that. I think if you and again replace the
1: language here in tongues with other languages, and think about okay, so the one who speaks in under other languages builds himself up. The one who prophesies builds up the church. So it's almost like a pride issue, right? Oh, I'm 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 so good, right? This I'm not. I'm rejecting that the Holy Spirit is helping me learn new languages, and I'm like, look how smart I am. And you're just you're up there waxing eloquently, and no one can understand what the heck you're saying because you're
0: speaking Japanese or whatever. And Paul's like, please don't do that. We're not well, yeah, building up the church because again, this is a trade city. So you have people coming in and out who speak different languages. This is a different type of language, right? So, th- so you have different people coming in, and they're going to go into this synagogue or this gathering or whatever. And let's say they're speaking German. Ah, guten Tag, V. Gates, ich bin Wilhelm. And everyone's like, who the heck are you? We don't understand a word you're saying. And I'm over here talking about God in German. But the problem is, is if I'm speaking only my language and nobody understands me, well, what happens? What happens if I'm, spe- if I'm the only one who understands me while I'm speaking in a church event? I'm the only one who understands myself. Well, then it says right here, for one who speaks in a tongue, so if I'm speaking a language that no one understands, right, I'm speaking in some foreign language, I speak in a tongue, again, uh, uh, unclean lips, new lips, foreign tongues, these things, That's all, they're all idioms for the same thing. Who speaks in a tongue in a language, speaks not to men, but to God, because I am speaking to God in my own language. Mm-hmm. But what? But for no one understands him, for he utters mysteries in the spirit. You know, he's speaking from the spirit. He's speaking from a good place, but no one understands him. On the other hand, the one who prophesies, the one who speaks the truth and revelation of God, the one who speaks that this right here, what we have before us, a Bible, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church, the ecclesia, the people present. Because everyone can take from that revelation from God and grow from it. Otherwise, they're not getting anything from this understanding. So you're saying like an American church they shouldn't be speaking Latin? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sorry, yes. Catholics. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> the the one who speaks so anyway. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you to speak in tongues. So he's saying, now I want you to speak in tongues. He's not saying it's bad to speak other languages. Now I want you to speak in tongues. But even more to prophesy. Like, it's great to speak in, in, in your native tongue. It's great to speak in languages. That's great. But I really want you to encourage the saints. That's what you're really here for. Yeah, you build the church. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets. And again, if you're in Corinth and you're a trading city, some people might even use their ability to speak in other languages, because if they're in a trade city, they have to learn to, as almost like a way to show off or anything. So he's just saying, hey, well, just build up the church. Let everyone partake of the revelation from God, the prophecy. That's what prophecy means. Verse 6. Now, brothers... If I come to you speaking in tongues, speaking in languages, okay? How will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? <laughs> and if Oops. the yeah, and if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with, so with yourselves, it So if yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? I think we could stop right
1: there a second. Just think about that. Those of you that are doing this, like we call gibberish, if no one understands what you're saying, Paul is saying don't do that. It doesn't help anything. It's
0: unintelligible. Exactly. So even if I don't believe it means gibberish, by the way, right? We don't believe that. We think it means an actual... Right. Known... But if we take the Pentecostal perspective and say that it is... Like, even in your own view... It says, don't do it. <laughs> so that that's kind of my whole point here, where I'm like, guys, it means languages. He's talking about... Because this is a trade city, and there's a lot of stuff. Context matters when we're looking at the scriptures. Why, what is he addressing specifically? This would be the equivalent of me going to... Zambia. All right. And let's say this. No, no, Nigeria. And they're singing like and singing. They're speaking Nigerian Swahili. And I walk into their Nigerian Swahili church and I walk in with my English self and I go, guys, I cannot wait to preach on Romans chapter eight. You will not believe. So let's talk about the flesh. And I'm starting to talk about the revelation from God, but nobody in the freaking room knows what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. They don't know. So they're not blessed. The only person who's being blessed is me. And, and I'm talking to God. Unless you have what, Will? An interpreter, <laughs> which is why we send interpreters a lot with those things. Therefore, so they go and notice this. So he, he even draws the thing. Hey, what is, if our instruments don't have the right sounds or they're not working properly, what good are they? Because no one can hear the harp. No one can hear the bugle, right, or the trumpet. So with yourselves, it is with your, the language that you speak utterance now that it's not intelligible. How will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. <laughs> There are doubtless many different language. Now notice this when people say, so people keep telling me that I insert languages like, oh, that's not what that means. But what does he say in verse 10? There are doubtless many different languages in the world and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker, a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestation of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. (laughs) That says it right there. It's language. It's not gibberish. It's not this handala shandala. Like, it is not that.
1: Yeah, it it says without meaning. Like, none of the languages are without meaning, which means someone understands what you're saying. Yeah. Those words mean something. You're not just speaking gibberish. They actually mean something. You're speaking words, maybe of a different language, but they're, they actually mean something. But if I do random. not know,
0: but in the words of Paul, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I'll be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. Yeah. We will be foreigners to each other if we're not speaking the same language. And what's the goal? Right, the goal is the Great Commission. You're not going to fulfill
1: the Great Commission. You're speaking words that no one understands, either in a different language that they speak or random gibberish. Neither of those things are accomplishing anything. For the Holy Spirit. And if you look back at Acts, what the Holy Spirit was enabling was
0: everyone to understand what they were saying, not no one. (laughs) Exactly. And then notice verse 13. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, so if I pray in a language, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will speak with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you're saying? For you may be giving giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. In other words, Paul's saying he knows a lot of languages. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. So when he's talking about this, you're like, what in the world is he talking about with the spirit and all that? When he's talking about spirit, like, Pray that the spir- uh, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What he's saying is that, yeah, your heart can be in it, but your mind's not being built up by it. And we are to worship the Lord our God with our heart, soul, and mind. And if your mind's not being built up, if you have no cognizance of what's being said, then it's useless to you, right? Yeah, this would also go along with like random
1: chants, right? Where you're just chanting over and over again. You're not actually thinking about what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Same idea. It's a little bit of that pagan idea where you're not actually following what God is saying.
0: And that's why it says, uh, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. So he's saying like, look, man, I can speak all day in a foreign language, but it does no one jack. But if I use five words in your language, you'll at least understand something. If I say repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, that is f- far more beneficial than seeing me uh, saying, you know, El improviso amore." what does that even mean, Will? It's like Italian, but whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, but and then it says right here. Uh, Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking, be mature. In the law, it is written, "Be by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners, will I speak to this people. Even then, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. This is re-quoting that Joel thing we talked about earlier. Thus, tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign Not for unbelievers, but for the believers. Almost like the Jews seek after a sign and the Greeks after wisdom. Almost like that's exactly what I said.
1: Didn't we say that already?
0: I feel like we said that. So guess what? Who was at Pentecost? People who were unbelievers of Jesus yet. Mm -hmm. So they heard it in their own tongues, their own language, and the miracle of tongues is for the unbelievers. That sign authenticated that these were true... Followers of God. Exactly. It was then, the power of the Holy
1: Spirit working through them.
0: And then, why is prophet? Can you imagine why prophecy is for believers? Because if I already believe the book, then I'm going to know exactly what to look for when the prophecy comes. It's giving me something to look forward to. That's what, why do you think half the time in the book of Matthew, Matthew kept penning down this was to fulfill this prophecy, this was to fulfill that prophecy. And he kept, you know, this fulfilled, this fulfilled, this fulfilled. Because he was already a believer. So prophecy was meant for believers. The tongue is tongues is simply meant to confirm unbelievers. So I'm going to speak in their tongue or there's going to be a miracle where I'm somehow miraculously able to communicate to them in their own language. Now, people sometimes wonder, like, are they speaking their own language and then miraculously is this being like interpreted in the other person's mind as the, as that language or is it me speaking that language and not realize I'm speaking that language. I think uh, because if there's all those people present, I'm not going to lie, I think it's me speaking in my own language and them hearing it in their own language. Mm-hmm. Not that fact that I'm just magically flipping it through. I don't take it that way, but anyway.
1: It's a fun thing to look at. Either way, it doesn't, show that
0: they were speaking gibberish that no one understood. Yeah, exactly. Clearly
1: everyone was understanding it because that's what scripture says.
0: Yep. So he says in verse 23, if therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, what they say, what they they will they not say that they are out of their minds? Notice this. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, all speak in different languages and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? Because they're going to be like, this is chaos. You ever been in a room filled with a bunch of talking people and it feels chaotic? Yeah. That's everyone speaking the same language.
1: And those unbelievers aren't becoming believers through that.
0: Exactly. So, but if all prophesy an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare the God that is really among you, that God is really among you. Notice, this is the other thing. So he's talking about speaking in their language so that way they can understand, right? Like, he, hey, that way they come. Why would a bunch of people want to keep coming and speaking in different languages? Well, because again, if you're part of a trading city, everyone there wants to speak into all these different tongues and all their different languages, talking to everybody in their different languages, but there's no cohesion going on in the church. You might have 10 people speaking, you know, Sicilian. You might have the other bu- bunch of people speaking like from Macedonia and a bunch of others speaking Hebrew and others Koine Greek. And it's just it's confusing. There's a lot going on. That's where interpreters would be very helpful. Yeah, and also it sounded like it was chaotic. Like they weren't waiting their turn because people you need know, to understand the way the worship would go is, you know, you think about today, everyone sits down in a room and then you have your rabbi come up or whatever and he speaks and teaches for a while. If you have everyone speaking, trying to trying to speak in various languages over each other, it's not orderly and no one's benefiting from it. And oh, well we have all these different languages here. It doesn't matter. Because again, what's the goal? To spread the gospel. You can't understand the gospel without, one, the Holy Spirit, and two, speaking a language they can understand. Exactly. So he goes, what then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. So again, everyone present has something going on there. Let all things be done for building up. And remember, he's already talked about what builds people up, prophecy, not other languages, not hearing things that people can't understand. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or th- or at most three, and in, each in turn, and let someone interpret. So he's saying, "Hey guys, only a few people at a time, not everyone all at once, because that's what happened." Remember, he said that if unbelievers walk in with all that chaos, they're going to think everyone's crazy. Yeah, they're going to walk in and turn right out. <laughs> exactly. So. Each, and so then he goes, but if there is no one to interpret. And notice that inter- someone interpreting would be actually con- confirming. They'd be standing up there and going word for word for word, and you could be able to tell. People would be able to understand it. If there's an interpreter, multiple people understand it, not just one person who chimed in and said, oh, they said praise God. No, that's not what that is. That's, you know, it's funny because that, yeah. that that is like a Pentecostal thing that people do. Well, I can interpret. And they just say random things, like they shout out random things that the other people are saying. It's like, that's not how it works. It was let the interpreter stand up there and they're going to interpret the entire time. As this guy speaks in a foreign tongue, I'm going to interpret for everyone else in the room, like a normal interpreter. I, I, I do uh, deaf interpreting. Um, I've done like deaf ministry in the past. And... I would stand before church and I'd sit down there and interpret with my hands. That's what they're saying. Stand up there and interpret. So let two or three three prophets speak and let the others, uh, oh, uh, let each of them keep, oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I got ahead of myself, guys. Verse 28. But if there is no one to interpret, so this person would have to know their language. Hey, do you, do you know German? I don't know German. All right. Then if we have no one here to interpret, let each of them keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. Why Well, someone be like, "Oh, that's cruel"? No, no. It's because it's not about you. It's about the collective uh, truth of God's of the gospel, the collective truth about God's gospel. So, if a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent, for you can all prophesy one by one. So you know, again, all in order, not all at once, so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to prophets for God is not a god of confusion, but of peace. Uh-oh. And I'm sorry, a lot of these things are very confusing when you see it. It's about this is a, about orderly worship and a structure going on in in the worship service. And mm-hmm. while speaking and teaching and prophesying.
1: If everything we've said tonight doesn't make sense yet, and you're like, "No, I disagree. Speaking in tongues is not just other languages. You disagree completely with what we're saying." At least Listen to what Paul is saying here, because even in your interpretation, this is saying keep silent. If you're not going to speak anything that's intelligible to anyone else, keep silent, because it's not profitable for expanding the gospel. So even if you think it is what, is what we're calling gibberish, it is just speaking the language of the angels that no one understands, Paul is telling you to keep quiet, even if you believe that. So if you disagree with us, it's still saying keep quiet. Keep quiet. It isn't something that's profitable for the church.
0: And then verse 36, we're going to skip the part about women because that's another context and that's another discussion. Um, Probably a good thing for us to discuss at some point. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Verse 36, or was it from you that the word of God came? Or are are you the only ones it has reached? If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord... If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. Yikes. So my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done re- decently and in order. So he's here he, or he balances it out. It's not that people who speak a foreign language can't speak in your church. It's the fact that all must be done decently and in order. It can't be people shouting out. It can't be people speaking over each other. Each one go one by one speaking in order. I've been in services before. Um I went to a Russian church for a little bit at one point in Bible college. Yeah, that was a thing. That was actually y'all haven't heard hymns until you heard Russian hymns. It's <laughs> awesome. I, I would worship in that I'm like, I don't even know what I'm singing right now, but this is amazing. Was it Eastern Orthodox? Uh no, it was just it was uh more of a Baptist like but they were Russians Russian it was a small Baptist. church. Interesting. Yeah. It was it was interesting. <laughs> uh but the Russians uh you know when when they were there, uh, you know, here's the thing: they had an interpreter there, <laughs> and he was not the fact that it's bad to speak in tongues and our other languages. It's just the fact that man got to do so decently and in order. Uh, I also think of all the times I've been to deaf churches. Deaf people who can't hear, not deaf like people who are dead. People will mishear me, and I don't want my audio listeners to get confused. <laughs> um, so, but when it comes to deaf, we uh, when I first went to a deaf church. There was a lady in the back who came up behind us, and we were the only hearing people. We sat in the back, so that way the deaf people could see the hands being, you know, being spoken with. And she whispered an interpretation the entire time to us, and it was cool. It was a really weird experience on <laughs> first learning. But again, all things must be done decently and in order. That's Paul's whole message here. And I'll just see nothing but chaos when I see a lot of that stuff. It's people running around in circles. And then we see this also in the IFB and other groups with the tent meetings. People are running around chaotically, screaming, bless God, and all this wild stuff, and people speaking out of turn. And he's saying, don't do that. Each one, speak one by one, decently, and in order. And don't come
1: at us with the accusation that all you guys just don't have the Holy Spirit, you just don't understand what we're saying. Oh my word, that. Clearly... In English, <laughs> if you read 1 Corinthians 14, it is, it is very much forbidding this chaotic, all over the place, everyone speaking at once, and all these different languages, whether you think they're real languages or not, he's saying don't do it, because it does not help the church. I don't know how many times I have to say this, but
0: please don't come at us with that accusation, because it just doesn't stand scripturally. Yeah, and that's the thing. When actually you look in this scripturally, and that's what blows my mind when I talk to these people. I'm like, do you read—like, you pick out, like, a couple of your verses that prove your point, and you're ignoring the entire chapter, where Paul is scathing them for being so disorderly. And then he talks about their women being disorderly, too, which is why he's telling those women to keep all silent in the church. Well, also— yeah, I'll mention it a little bit because I already know that. I'm going to have some people who are listening. We'll have a different v- video probably eventually on this, like what does it mean, fully. But as in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches for they are not permitted to speak but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there's anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home for it, it is shameful for women to speak in church. This is simply saying by one thing, first off, remember, context here is all the chaos. And apparently they had some rowdy women. <laughs> well, there's no other reason why Paul to bring them up. <laughs> yep. like, okay, and also you have a lot of women screeching in there. You know that's not okay too. You know you have a bunch of people shouting gibberish and women screeching. Okay, keep silence in the church. But he says, as in all the churches, as in all the ecclesia of the saints, the women should keep silence in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak. This goes into just back into the teaching and preaching roles. Um, the t- preaching and teaching roles are have always been for men because God created men to be the the leaders in that sense. We're the administrators in that area. Women are administrators in other areas that men are not permitted to be in. But this is just one of those areas where he brings it up for shameful for women to speak in church. So he's saying to go to their men, oftentimes, women in there would, uh, if I remember straight. Um, they would separate with men and women and children on the other side, and women would be, you know, sometimes running around with children and stuff. Um, so this was a whole, like, hey, you know, if you have questions, it's best not to, like, be going across the room and asking your husband, ask at home. You, you talk know? more about this in, the, in your complementarianism yeah, video. Yeah, and I too. kind of addressed it a little bit in complementarianism video, but I more explained the concept of complementarianism. I don't think I got into all these more controversial texts. But, I mean, he says it right there, as in all, all the other churches of the saints, this. So um, I know that's an unpopular view nowadays because we have the feminist movement and everything. But I am a complementarian on the more the side of leadership piety and all that stuff because I literally do believe that there's a strong difference between men and women. And I think it is also proven by data, which you and I have both looked at that data. Dr. Jordan B. Peterson talks about that data, and a lot of other people talk about that data. and uh, Most people interpret the data as, well, that's the patriarchal society. But oddly enough, when you go into it, uh, the more egalitarian societies go, the more and more we see that stark difference increase. So yeah, they go back to their gender roles, and
1: yeah, and to to say it simply, right? We we would say that women are equal in value, and men and women are different in roles.
0: Yep, we are. Yeah, totally different in roles, and. We thrive in our own roles. That's the best part about it. But that's a different topic for another time. Uh, this goes just, but by the way, guys, this is a straight up Bible. I mean, half of what we're reading, we're just reading scripture. This is not And us just going, look, he says languages. Notice how he's using tongues and languages interchangeably there. There's a reason for it. Because if I say tongues, if I speak in a foreign tongue or I speak in a foreign language, they both mean the same thing. They're synonymous.
1: And if you disagree with what we're saying, we're, we're coming at the assumption that, that all of us are come with the assumption that we might be wrong, and our, our source of truth is God through his word. That's, that's our basis. So if you disagree with us, at least understand and give us that benefit of the doubt that that is what we're trying to do, is that we're trying to use scripture as the basis for truth. And we think that as long as we all focus on what the scripture says and really evaluate it, and evaluate it in context for what it's truly saying, then we can come to the true source of truth and understand truth. And that's where we can find unity in the church when we agree on the truth through what the Scripture says.
0: Now, I actually want to mention this real quick. A lot of people accuse us of teaching cessationism, which is the thought that the, the uh, gifts of the Spirit have ceased. Um, no, <laughs> I'm not teaching cessationism. What I am teaching is that, that your idea of the gift of tongues has never been that is not what the gift of tongues has ever been. So I'm, I'm saying that, I'm not teaching cessationism. I'm saying that what you think is, does not actually exist, it's not in the Bible. <laughs> so don't take that as, oh, he's teaching cessationism. No, the gifts of the Spirit are very much alive today, and God can still work miracles. I'm not God, and I know God can still work. I've seen God work, and I know God can still do miracles. I'm not limiting the Spirit of God. I'm just saying that he doesn't make us speak in gibberish, because mm-hmm. God is a God of order. Why would he, why would he, he spoke order into chaos. Why would he bring chaos into order? That makes zero sense. So also I don't want people to think the other thing is going to be, well, and you've, I've already seen it today in the comments. uh, Well, until you've experienced it or you just haven't experienced it, or you're just envious of people who have, no, I am not envious. (laughs) And no, I just think what you're doing isn't biblical. And I think what it is, it's, Peer pressure does a lot of things. And there's a reason why. Why is it that people who are filled with the Holy Spirit don't do it in a bunch of churches, but only in churches that really push the idea of speaking in tongues? Do you see that kind of behavior? Um, I know friends of mine, I don't want to mention their names on this program, but friends I grew up with, um, I got with them uh, one, a couple a couple summers ago. They were raised Pentecostal at Assemblies of God, and they were told that if they were not did not speak in tongues, that they weren't very spiritual, basically. It was another form of legalism, of, of a man-made standard, even though Paul clearly says that prophesying is the priority and that tongues mean nothing. So even if your interpretation is this gibberish, Paul's saying that means nothing. I, if I speak with tongues of angels, but I have love, I have not love, I have nothing. So... That's not what we're teaching either. that's not, that's not cessationism. and we're not saying that uh, and we're saying that people who push this, it's funny how it's only in those churches that you see this happening. I've never been sitting in a Baptist church or a non denom or a Bible church, which I've regulate, regularly gone to those churches where that ever manifested itself. Uh, so I know that this is anecdotal, but if you're going to use anecdotal going, oh, well you just haven't experience it. I've experienced this. You don't know what it's like. If you're going to use anecdotal, I'm going to default to the fact that uh, there's a large majority of people who do not teach that doctrine who suddenly don't fall into it. And we truly believe that the Holy Spirit is not going to cause you to do something contrary to his word. Exactly. So here's the thing. Maybe you should ask yourself... When you were feeling that, was it because everyone else was feeling around you? Were you primed for that? Was there other psychological influences that could push you to that direction? Is this just something that you assumed was part of it, but could you ever think about the fact that, also, we fight against principalities and of powers? There are other spirits, and could it be that you're being influenced by something else? Or that you're just letting emotionalism take over? I'm not trying to be presumptive. I'm just letting you know that there are other possibilities. So before you consider the fact that it must be of the spirit, no, first off, you must take what the scripture says. That's one of the problems is we, we take our experiences and then we, we insert them into the text and it's supposed to be a text inserting onto our experiences to put our experiences into a frame of mind and a frame of reference. So the text says one thing and it talks about it being languages, known languages, and also that it needs to be have an interpreter. It has nowhere in scripture will you find the gibberish talk about people not understanding a word they said, but everyone being blessed by it anyway, and we should keep doing it.
1: So if you're in church and you've never spoken German before in your life, don't understand a word of it, and you start speaking scripture in German, wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, you spoke, that's pretty cool. Congratulations, you have spoke in biblical tongues. <laughs> but if you're just speaking gibberish or you're speaking Elvish or I don't know. <laughs> but if, <laughs> oh, you're, if, if you're, yeah, sorry, Lord of the Rings fans. Um, but if, if you're just speaking gibberish, and by that, again, we mean that no one understands what you're saying or someone is pretending to know what you're saying and just speaking, just speaking things that they think you're trying to say. Um, that is not biblical tongues.
0: Just exactly. Not. So anyway, I hope this was helpful for some of you. Uh, comment your thoughts down below in the comments. As always, uh, again, audio listeners, rate us. Uh, let us know how uh, how great we are. Give us five-star reviews and uh, add something spicy in the review. That's what we requested. Uh We had a friend of ours who left a spicy one complimenting Brian up one side down the other and then was like, and Will Hess is also on this podcast. Ah, the pride in me. (laughs) (laughs) That was hilarious. So I'm all for the funny reviews. Uh, I think one of them, one of the reviews did did say you need to do something about your hair though. So you got roasted and complimented. I got,
1: I changed my hair.
0: Dude, I've been trying to get my hair cut for two weeks. (laughs) And, okay, real quick question, real quick story before we close, because I feel like sometimes we're so focused. That was one of the things that one of my friends said when he listened. He's like, man, you guys are so focused when you get it. Like, you just stay on topic, and then you bounce. So, real quick, update on Will's personal story. I started a new job last week, uh, so we're not going to be having as much content out, and I'm also going on vacation next week. Slacker. Yeah, well, whatever. I'm here
1: holding down the fort.
0: (laughs) Brian may or may not put out an episode. I doubt you will.
1: We'll see. I have a key now to your house, so I might just... Oh, she gave you a a
0: key? I have a key, so I might just break into a studio and do a whole episode on your hair. Oh, perfect. Tell how (laughs) it is vastly superior to yours. But here's the thing. So I had a... So... The place I always go to, their phone number wasn't working. It said, uh, hey, if you're trying to get in touch with us because of whatever studios, please go to our website for more information. Go on the website. There's no information. It was like by this domain. I'm like, this isn't an actual website. <laughs> I'm like, this is really frustrating. So I tried throughout the week. So I, then I got an appointment at a place locally, and I made the appointment online. I show up. I walk into the hair appointment on my lunch, and the guy goes, it's about an hour wait. And I was like, oh, I had an appointment for noon. He goes, what? I didn't check my appointments. I was like, you got to be kidding me. He's like, oh, yeah, sorry, man. Uh, Can you come in at 1? I'm like, well, I'm here at noon. If I wanted to be 1, I'd be here at 1. But That's why I made the appointment, bro. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, well, I can't because I work, but I can come at 4.30. And he goes, all right, I'll pen you down for 4.30. I said, awesome, sounds great. So now keep in mind, my normal place was their website wasn't working. Their phone number wasn't working. and I couldn't get in touch with anybody. So I drive to this new place at 4.30, and guess what, Brian? They were closed. They were closed. <laughs> I'm like that guy. So I was ticked. So I went back. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I, I have no idea. Um, I tried making. I tried calling them back, and they didn't answer. And then I finally was able. I found my uh, my uh, the girl who cuts my hair. I found her on Facebook and messaged her. And she's like, "That's weird. We don't even have a website. I don't know why you're a reference to it." I'm like, "I don't know." But do you have an opening this week? Long story short, I finally get my haircut tomorrow. I look like a wookie. I don't believe you.
1: I don't think it's getting cut.
0: I'm like... (laughs) laugh it up, fuzzball. Uh, so anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening to The Church Split, as always. And I look forward to speaking to you guys more and getting you guys more content out soon. We have lots of ideas, lots of content coming. But just bear with us as we are going through a lot right now in our personal lives. It is extremely hectic. So I appreciate you guys' patience, love, support. And if you guys want to, support us on Patreon. And also, thank you to our patrons who are supporting us on there. It's yeah, weird so and crazy how many people are actually starting to support us now. It is actually helping the costs with a lot of this stuff. We're still in the hole by about, I don't know, five grand. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's we fun. St- though. We love
1: doing this. And we appreciate you guys helping exactly. support us. And we got some new equipment purchases
0: that we're looking to do. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. So y'all take care and thank you for listening to the church split.